welcome back to Chats, a television podcast. Book three, Avatar, The Last Chatsbender. Or Chatsbender, for short. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by my finale-watching, Korra-viewing, brand-new spanking polar bear friend. It's Magellan. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm the person who says hello the second now. Just this time, and probably in the future, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, it's a podcast. How you doing, Majan? How are things? You're back. You're you're back. Yeah. You're back with me. I'm on holiday break from school. The nice thing about being a teacher is you still get all those same breaks that everybody gets. The bad thing about being a teacher is that sometimes the break, like, what do you do for the three months over the summer? Oh, I only get one month because my school year's longer, and I have right. a month of professional development in August. So yeah. Um. But what do you mean? What do I do? You get to you get paid, and you don't have to do work. <laughs> what's what's the problem with that? Huh? Sounds fake. Why are you trying to rain on my on my future summer parade? No, I love future summer parade. Good band name. That's right. I'm not trying to rain. I'm just saying that I miss having traditional summer breaks, and it's cool that you get to have them. Mm, so it's some sour grapes. You're saying I love grapes. It's just you know, it's like sweet grapes. Sweet grapes. <laughs> sweet grapes. It's one more like positive a, about something. Yeah, it sounds like a euphemism or something. Oh, you got for, like, sweet. No, poison. it sounds like a condition that you put a cream on. You have sweet grapes. <laughs> you put a salve. No, you. You have to rub a salve on your sweet grapes. Ooh, I can see them. I know. They're, what color are they? Describe oh, it. Green. Oh, no. That's a bad color. I mean, it looks like a grape on your skin. Ick. No, it's not on your skin. It's in your skin. (laughs) On this show, we usually discuss two episodes of the television show Avatar The Last Chatsbender. But today, this is the finale of Avatar The Last Chatsbender. And we watched all the episodes. We ran out. Yeah, we done done run out of those. They stopped making them and we stopped watching them. So instead, um, we're going to talk about Avatar in general, just our thoughts on it, what we liked, what we did not like, what we hated. (laughs) Yeah, finally. We're going to lay it all out there. And we're going to kind of frame it around our fun discussion of a pilot of another show uh, that we just watched, literally, uh, for me, minutes before this. Mm-hmm. Game um, of Thrones. Yeah, the Game of Thrones pilot. So Ned Stark is essentially Sokka. Um, and the head of the man... Oh, God, I can't even. <laughs> that was seven years ago. I was like three years old when that pilot aired. That yep, just... that's... if. Uh, uh, yep, right. Math, 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 math. Nailed it. <laughs> Um, no, we're going to talk about The Legend of Korra, which is technically its sequel show to Avatar, The Last Airbender. Name me one other show that has a sequel show. You uh, can't. Fr- Frasier, MASH. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. Well, well Frasier doesn't have a sequel show. Frasier is a sequel show. It's more of a spinoff. Joey? Sp- that's a spinoff. It's well, a spinoff that takes place after, though. Yeah. Magellan. <laughs> I guess uh, the line, it's a thin line between a spinoff and a sequel, huh? Right, because the timeline gets wacky. And you could... Uh, it, this is firmly a sequel. Korra is definitely a show that follows up on the themes and ideas and characters of Airbender. Not, right. It's not a spinoff. Right. It takes place... Do you think about, Wikipedia would call it a spinoff, though? Let's find out. It's an animated show. Oh, as a sequel. Wikipedia sequel. calls it a sequel. Okay. Right. So it's a squeak. We're watching the squeak. We We're watched it. We watched yeah. specifically. Um, we watched the whole thing. <sighs> I did. Oh, God. We watched season one, episode one. Welcome to Republic City. And I think this is a good episode 
to start somebody on because it's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, finally, after three seasons of our television podcast, we've cracked the code. <laughs> yeah, how long did we spend talking about what's the best first episode of Farscape to watch? It's actually the Cora <laughs> pilot. Actually, yeah. It's a good intro to chats. Once you watch the Cora pilot, which we never did a show about, then you can go back and listen to Freaks and Geeks, then Scape Chats, then Chatsbender in that order. Oh my god. Yeah, that's the machete order. <laughs> it really all makes sense. And then again, then you can go see Star Wars. Yeah, I haven't seen um, one yet, but this Last Jedi thing looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks pretty good. I wild. think that'll it's be like... my first one, and then I'll just go backwards down the numbering order. Hey, man, I watched the Star Wars movies in the following uh, order. Three, uh, four, no, three, one, two, four, five, six, seven. No, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> I'm serious. I watched three, and then it was like, wait, the oh. Darth Vader. Oh, Darth Vader from the TV. Uh, it was but you wild. had no conception of who Darth Vader was yet. No, I did not. You I just not. knew, like, oh, my God, that guy who I have just met is also that guy. I don't know. That's crazy. Episode three is bat bananas if you haven't seen any other star wars <laughs> it thoroughly relies on that but oh, legend of man, korra I'm crying okay <laughs> good the legend of korra doesn't necessarily rely on you watching avatar but it benefits it's about that world progressing it's about how the society has shifted based on the actions of our characters it feels in a way like a at least this episode feels like an epilogue to the finale of airbender mm-hmm. because i feel like in our discussion of that episode we kind of uh, we're a little bit uh, unsatisfied with how it doesn't really like get into much. It just kind of ends. It's like, and everything is good. Bye. Yeah. And then the show you ends. know, but I don't think that's the fault of the show. I think that's just stand a standard uh, way that adventure stories end. No, it's not. It's not. The weight is not on last airbender to do that. It just, it just felt like I wanted to see what happens to this world. And that is in part because they did answer that question. Uh, six years later, if I'm not mistaken, because I think the Avatar finale was in 06, I think, and then mm. uh, no, 08. So four years later, wow, it was only four years. Wow, that's pretty mm. cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, this this episode aired in 2012. It was a different time. We were in a different place. We were in the same presidential administration. Um, <laughs> and it feels more political. I feel like that was the first thing I got was like. They are thinking about and, and, and like addressing the stuff about the world that I didn't even consider before. Like what happens when benders and non-benders live together? What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, it, you know, it frames itself around a different um, sort of a different temporal pastiche because the last airbender is very much kind of a place at a time, not medieval, but like uh, early... I don't know, early modern world, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Like the kind of colonial era. The Fire Nation does have this this sort of coal power first industrial revolution vibe to it. So maybe there's kind of like a early 1800s thing going on. But then Korra very firmly is placing itself among the the, the kind of ephemera of steampunk. Um and is doing a kind of like Gilded Age urban thing. And so that I think lends itself to more of a focus on themes of corruption, on themes of uh, 
immigration, perhaps, or peoples clashing with each other in such confined space, matters of wealth disparity, and, you know, I think those things just naturally arise from from the different setting that they've chosen. (laughs) Chosen, Sozin, Tenzin. Tenzin, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Tenzin real briefly. He is um, kind of the lens that I like to focus on when talking about at least season one of Korra when he's still... Not that he becomes less of a character. He becomes more, but like he is very important in this point in the story uh, because Korra's life kind of revolves around him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Tenzin is the the first, and I think... Nope, he is not the first, and he's the third child of um, Aang and Katara. Yeah, so, hey, they got together. They did it, and they not only did it, but they had babies. Yeah, that's nice that they just sort of were like, yeah, that happened. So they had Kaya, which I believe is named after Katara's mom? Yeah, they, I think so. They had Boomy, Of course they did. Uh, and then they had Tenzin, who's kind of this interesting character because he is the child of two people who lived an amazing adventure in their in their childhood and went on to rule the world for several years and uh, like and like lead the world into an era of peace and you were mentioning while we watched it that he was kind of burdened with the task of like the logistics of that and and like right. raising his own family because this the so that just generally speaking the world of uh legend of korra is one that is sort of decaying somewhat uh from ang's kind of idealistic vision of peace and harmony because he he and Zuko together set up this city where all the peoples of all the different nations could live and represent their cultures and be cool together um, but since Aang's death that city has kind of developed the problems that cities have generally um, and so Tenzin you know, I think probably from a young age understood for whatever reason that it would be on him once his dad died to kind of oversee a world that does not have its leader or, you know, lacks the person who who had the vision. Um, And so he he seems to be tasked with kind of keeping things from falling apart completely, which lends to him being a more kind of reserved, calm, uh, stoic sort of character. And it, it fits the vibe of this season more because this is actually book one air. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, uh, last airbender went from like, I believe it was water to earth to fire. Um, right. Do you want to guess what the names of the seasons in this um, show are? There's four of them. Um, I think I've seen the names at some point and they're like not guessable. Okay. So you're being right. mean to me right now. I'm I'm feeding you right now. It's air, spirits, change, and uh, the last one, which is, of course, balance. Air, spirits, change, balance. So the air one is supposed to, again, tying into the, like, this is the sequel show. It's sort of like how the first season of Angel is, like, unwatchable unless you're watching it with <laughs> right, Buffy. Right, 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 This season in particular is very much the sequel to Avatar. Um, it takes them a while to get past. It takes them a while to get past this kind of like getting away from what our parents left us narrative. Um, Cause yeah, the story of Tenzin is that he is a, uh, one of the like higher ups in Republic city, which is a city founded by Zuko and Aang uh, to kind of bring together all of the people, all of the benders and non benders in one place. And uh, you know, Tenzin and, and Bo and Katara who's introduced in this episode um, 
as an older woman, um, his mom is, uh, she's kind of like ready to leave the world to more Pete to other people. She's kind of like, I did my work. Uh, we made it a lot. We had a lot of fun, but it's your turn now. Uh, which is a really affecting scene, you know, when she does all of that, because, uh, so much of, of last airbender is about like fitting, going into the role of an important person in the world, like an important member of society and how we get there. And now Katara is like, well, I got there past tense and it's time for somebody else to do it because life moves on. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, the size of the time jump that they're making here is, is something worth talking about because it's not as if we're seeing a story about Aang's kid, you know, that's one way that this could have gone like, Oh, the first show is about Aang and the second show is about like his kid or, you know, Sokka's kid or something like that. Like right. it's about the, the next generation down, but they're specifically choosing to skip an entire generation's maturation into adulthood um, in this show because it it complicates and you know this I think gets at the core of whether or not somebody would want to watch this show or not is that it complicates the kind of pure uh, optimism of The Last Airbender by showing that you know you can dedicate your life to to progress and to making things better, but ultimately you are simply a part of the arc of, of the world, right? It's not as right. if Aang totally changed everything forever in one fell swoop. Things are being left to other people. His work is being left unfinished. And there's a point at which you have to say, I did as much as I could. I made change for the better. There are still problems. There are new problems that I couldn't have predicted. Uh, and here you go. You guys figure it out. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. And, you know, I this is why, I mean, I have problems with season one's villain. We're introduced to Amon, who is the leader of a group of, um, I guess, bending purists or non-bending, no, non-bending purists yeah. uh, called the Equalists, who are looking to basically level the playing field. They um, have a because... sort of, um, this also fits with the, late 19th century vibe because they have yeah. a kind of like a anarchist thing going on. Yeah. They they want to rebuild the society that Aang and, and Zuko worked hard to make because, and somewhat rightfully, and this is why when I was like 16 or whatever, I don't remember how, how old I was in 2012. No, I was probably older than 18. Uh, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Like, like maybe the other side, like they do have a good point. Maybe Aang and what Aang and Zuko did was bad. Because half of the population approximately can, like, make elements out of nothing and can, like, summon uh, godly powers with their bodies using martial arts. Like, right. how is that How is that reasonable to, that they can live in a world with people who literally cannot do any of that and have it still be fair to all parties? It's not, um, which I, I agree with, you know? It, it's interesting because the closer your fictional world you know, your speculative narrative in which magical powers exist, the closer it gets in time and in circumstances to the modern world, the more relevant these questions become. Because in The Last Airbender, having a group of people who are like, bending is bad, would have been very odd, since it was meant to be this kind of an ancient adventure story um, in a world that 
where this stuff felt like magic. Uh, and you know, in stories about magic, it's very rare that it's like, oh, the wizards are oppressing us. I'm sure there are plenty of stories like that, but it's just not as common of a trope. Whereas here, it's starting to look more like the ethics or the, the discussions that are had in like a superhero story where, oh man, Superman destroyed like half the buildings in the city in that last fight. We should we should do something about that. We're like, oh, these X Men are dangerous, um, and I think again, like this is again contributing to this is a little bit more mature of a show in terms of the themes that it's approaching, in terms of its kind of moral certainty. There's there's more leeway here, and so that might contribute to someone looking at this and saying this is what I want out of a bending show or someone saying this is totally different and I definitely don't want this. It's, it's such a good point you made though, because I think there was a very mixed uh, reception to this pilot. These, this episode aired with the next one, elite from the wind together um, in April of 2012 or March, if you watched it online, because this was part of their early online initiative of like, you get the episode online first before it's on TV. Uh, yeah. I remember when that was a, I guess that's still kind of a thing. Yeah, a little bit. But that um, was like a bigger thing. Yeah, you would you now you'd be like paying for the service to watch it online. Yeah. Um, that was just like if you have a cable subscription or not even you could just watch it because they knew people put stuff on YouTube. Uh, it it feels like a different it's a different time and place, and I, I like that about like how people viewed it differently. Like some people really liked that, and some people were like, "This is like super like they're overanalyzing the show that was like hashtag my childhood." Like, why are we? Why are we like breaking down the thing? Which I love that stuff. That is why I liked Korra early on. Um, I think where I ran into liking it less and less was when the plot just became less about like, are these things fair? And more about like, like changing the, like, how do we now again, sort of like the end of season three of Avatar, like what about this world can we change to make it more fair? Uh, And getting into like beyond just bending and non-bending, like what spiritually, what like at the fundamental I don't want to spoil too much, but like, what about the foundation of the world that we live on? That can we change? Can we make it so nobody ever bended in the past? Can we uh, make it so the spirit world is in the real world? <laughs> like, they really push this. Like, look, is equality something worth fighting for, and in what way, and to what extent? A narrative that I don't always, I didn't always find interesting. Um, uh, I also really wanted to touch on the fact that it's really clear from this pilot that. Uh, Studio Mir, the studio animating it, um, not only a very different studio from the people who made, uh, who did Last Airbender, um, but they clearly had a bigger budget. And uh, right. whether or not they used that well is, is you know, up to each person's interpretation. Um, I love the painted backgrounds of the show. I think the bridge of Republic City with the sort of like blimps in the background and Naga is like overlooking it with Korra on her back is like amazing. Mm-hmm. I think the way the show moves is amazing. I think the way it's choreographed is above and beyond most of Last Airbender, to be fair. Yeah, the character design is pretty cool. Character design and the outfit style design is very good. Tenzin uh, looks so awesome. He's perfect. He has this big, thick, just long beard. Thick, juicy beard, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, as soon as they like get zoomed in, I feel like the characters and like their faces look really, like across the board, really janky. Yeah, there's something about the the facial animation that leaves something to be desired. Like Korra, 
I don't know if it's the way that they chose to animate her nose or something or or I don't know. Like I'm just her face feels very blank to me. And after this first episode I I got a pretty inconsistent uh sense of her character and what she's all about because Yeah, she's mostly sorry. Well, it's like she kind of was reckless but then also was like pretty serious and I don't know. I think I just need to see more to get exactly what her deal is. Because Aang was just so clear of a character. He's, you know, he's like Peter Pan. He's he's a little boy who doesn't want to grow up and take on the responsibility of the world. But he knows that he has to. Like, there's something about Aang that I immediately understood and immediately invested in. In a way that I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really seeing that in Korra. Yeah, the thing with Korra is that her characterization takes a long time because she has to reflect off of people. And in yeah. Welcome to Republic City, she kind of just reflects off of adults who are telling her, like, you need to go here. You need to train better. You need to be more spiritual. True. True. And so all you can get out of her is like, I don't want to do that. And she runs away on her polar bear. True. Um, as soon as she starts to meet more people that are her age, it kind of she becomes more headstrong in a good way and not just like uh, obnoxiously headstrong. Um, to me, the thing I liked about her characterization in this episode was that, uh, she clearly knows, and she has that like moment at the end where she talks about this, but she knows the world needs changing again. And she knows that their ancestors left them a world that is, uh, beautiful and amazing and worth taking care of, but like needs, needs improvement. Yeah. And that's, what's cool here in, in the last airbender, it's a world that's just, you know, messed up beyond repair seemingly and we have to fix everything and in this it's like oh well you know it was a good idea (laughs) and it's kind of working and kind of not so that at least for that level of it I'd be interested in watching more yeah yeah I think I'd be interested in seeing what you think about how that progresses Um, but again just just to go back to the budget real briefly like it's it's I think for me, what I find jarring about the voices is like the the audio is mixed differently in part because like it's in recorded in a different place and they have a lot, a lot of famous voice actors in this uh, in this show. Just like in the voice acting community, like even more so than Avatar. Avatar had a decent number of like, oh, it's that guy from uh, Star Trek or like mm-hmm. it's um ca- that guy who's in every th- every cartoon. Uh, Tenzin. Is voiced by J. Jonah Jameson, a.k.a. Uh, the actor who plays him in the Spider-Man movies. Well, see, I didn't even notice that. Right. There's a, there, there are a lot of them are trying to not, like, overplay uh, their, like, other, the, the things that you know them for. They're just playing characters. So that, that that's, like, a consistent thing throughout. Is like that, you look them up and you're like, oh, crap, Amon is, uh, is uh, Spike from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> like, he's... He's kind of doing that voice because that's always what that guy does, but not really. It's like much more subtle. Um, Maria Bamford is is his his wife. Hmm. Uh, Kieran Shipka, who is known for playing uh, Don Draper's daughter on Mad Men, is Tenzin's daughter. Um, so that that reference tracked a lot more uh, uh, in twenty twelve. Um, and then there's just yeah, there's a lot of like other people. Mm-hmm. some people coming back from avatar like d bradley baker is still naga and and oogie and like all of the uh animals but it's weird that, like that i just 
constantly found that weird while watching Korra. I was like, oh man, why <laughs> they put famous people in the show? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, this isn't there isn't too too much to this uh, to this episode. Basically, it ends with um, Korra saying that they need to Avatar Aang meant for the city to be the center of peace and balance, and that we're gonna get back to that. And then, meanwhile, Amon is cackling evilly and listening to a radio. Dun dun dun. To, yeah, technology and like early early twentieth century technology plays a big part in this show. Um, there's like uh, steampunk mechs and a guy who runs a car company. It was like an early like Ford mogul kind of guy. Um, it's a big. It's like a huge deal. Well. Cause, cause yeah, that's, that's the way that you progress time and space in the avatar world is like, well, they didn't have a lot of mm, like actual metal technology the way we think of it now. Uh, now that metal bending is so common, they made metal into the way that we do it. We, they made cars, they made planes and boats and all this stuff. What do we do with it? What problems does that cause? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that is about what I thought. I, I guess I want to ask you next. Um, do you, are you interested in watching more of the show? Yeah, but there's no way to do it right now, so yeah, so I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, yeah, because oh, it was it, on it, Amazon, but they took it off when they took Avatar off. I think most of it is on Nickelodeon's oh. website. I just yeah, saw but I don't, I don't have a. I can never cable. figure out how to get those cable company things to work the right way. Oh, I don't even know if it requires that. I think it's literally just on their. I think a lot of it, not all of it, is on their website. No, after I watched the first episode, it oh, was, was like, more of it like, hey, get an adult to help you out with this, kids. <laughs> <laughs> it literally oh, said, go, gra- go grab an adult. Oh, bummer. Um, so. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, Janet Varney as Cora is a weird choice because she's obviously not white. Janet Varney is very white, and that yeah. was a problem. We're not the people equipped to talk about that, but I just wanted to point it out that, like, yeah, this was a thing that people talked about. If you were curious at the time, I remember that, that conversation being had. Right. Um, there are plenty of people of color that voice characters that match their race on this show, like for sure. Uh, later on, we got two emails this week. Two emails. John's here. Two emails. But John, you're here. You can read one of these. Hey, I'll read both. Oh. No, I'll right, just read one. All right, pick one. Well, the first one or the second one? I'll read both. Our <laughs> our first email. I'll call now. <laughs> I'll call now. Our f- <laughs> first. What if they mixed that commercial with the Jake from State Farm commercial? You know, who are you calling, Jake from State Farm? I'll, I'll call. call now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Again, khakis. <laughs> uh, okay, our first email comes from Alice Huang, and it says, "Chats Pod, in your Sozin's Comet Avatar Ang episode." Magellan says he wishes Aang had learned to go into the Avatar state voluntarily slash on purpose. He does learn to go into the Avatar state by himself. Not during the part where he goes all elemental ball. That is still involuntary. But after he takes away Ozai's bending, Aang goes into the Avatar state voluntarily to put out all the fires. You can tell it's voluntary because instead of a constant glow, his tattoos glow just briefly. This shows he is in control. Thanks for covering this show, Alice. Sent from my iPhone. Please excuse typos. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why it always includes that. You have to turn it off, and most people forget to turn it off. Or they leave it on on purpose. Yeah. Thank you for the correction there, Alice. We always appreciate those sorts of things. And thank you for your enthusiasm and for emailing in. I will say this. While I did forget that, and you <laughs> got me there, 
this still doesn't really change my interpretation of that scene because Aang is still not initially choosing to bring the Avatar state into the fight. I think it is, it definitely is significant that it happens in a way that's out of his control and then he consciously chooses to not obliterate Ozai and instead take away his bending and then consciously chooses to use the Avatar state to clean things up. So I think now we're in a place where both interpretations are perfectly valid. Um, but I'm still coming from the stance of I wish that he had been able to initiate it on purpose. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, her, her argument or their argument is just like it's voluntary. At, briefly, you were kind of saying like I wanted him to be able to like earn it. Like, hey, during this fight, I was able to voluntarily go into the Avatar state and have that like help him in the combat. It seemed like you were saying. Yeah, it's more he's voluntarily choosing to limit the effect of the Avatar state, but going into it is still something that is not a choice that he made it's like the hulk controlling it's <laughs> it's like if bruce banner was not angry all the time you know what i mean like he he like in the avengers movie he was like i can turn this on that's what i wanted ang to be able to do he couldn't he could just be like nice hulk yeah that's a good point anyway. um we got a second email second email oh my gosh this one's from dax we love Dax. Hi, Hi Dax. Dax. You want me to read it? Sure. It says, greetings, Alan and Magellan. Wow, what an ending. Azula, heart, conquered everybody and rules the world with an iron fist. What? That didn't happen? Well, it should have. But seriously, Sozin's comet was awesome. All the action, the drama, I couldn't get enough. This was pretty much everything I could have asked for in a finale to a series. But I did have one problem with it. One huge problem. And I get that it's a kid's show, so maybe the target audience of kids wouldn't think twice about it, but holy crap, Katara, you're like 16 years old, don't kiss 12-year-old boys. Seriously, WTF, that was horrible. And it wasn't like a little peck on the cheek, it went on way too long fading out. Other than that, I enjoyed the heck out of the finale to Avatar, and as a series as a whole, I love Avatar. Thank you guys so much for picking it for your podcast, otherwise who knows if I ever would have seen it. Oh, that's great. And once again, whatever you pick next, I am along for the ride. Dax. Dax. Aw, Dax. Um, isn't she like 14? First of all, she's like 14. Second of all, it's in like actual adult years, it's not that big of a difference. Um, well, he makes a good point that kid years. It's weird for kids. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. I don't think she's 16. I weird. think she's like 13, 14. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference. That's a middle school, high school difference, 12 to 14. Oh, yeah. So. That's well, I think that's part of why she doesn't immediately like feel attracted to him you know it's because he's clearly younger than her right yeah but also they had babies several yeah <laughs> eventually right eventually not that's that true. year or the next year hopefully um you know i i felt similarly in that final moment which i think is part of what makes the ending feel kind of eh. That it's sort of, oh, our grand romance between a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old has finally been <laughs> consummated, consummated with the kiss. Yeah. Um, so that that does feel a little bit odd. But I think it, it uh, again, this is a story that is sort of a, a, a mythic adventure story. And so in that context that those ages don't seem as childlike, I think. Good point. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and also, you know, it's like it's like Star Wars, man. They love the Star Wars stuff, and that's just a that's a Padme, Anakin age difference right there. Even more so except in Star Anakin, Wars. Except Aang doesn't hate sand because it's coarse on and he hates coarse on my skin. Let's throw in the clip. Line. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Let's throw in the throw in the go. clip. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. All right, let's do it one more time. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> I love that clip so much. I can't wait for more Star Wars to have more thing talk about sand. Do you think there's talk about say, coarse sand in The Last Jedi? <laughs> I really... You know, you were telling me earlier that there are things people don't like about this movie. I really hope that that's what the big problem is. Yeah, there's just a whole hour of sand talk. I've been successfully able to avoid anything Star Wars related. Not even Very, a trailer? Well, you know what I mean. Like, no, I haven't been spoiled yeah. or there have been no hot takes. Yep. That's nice. Give it another couple hours. Before this episode is, before this episode is released, we will have seen it. Hey, I thought it was... Uh... Good. Insert opinion here. Before we talk about what we're watching next, I really wanted to just say goodbye to Avatar um, one more time. Uh, really important show to me. I was so glad to get to show it to Magellan um, in in 05. I was, I was but a young kid. I was about Aang's age, I think. Um, and it really resonated with me at the time. It was just like the type of adventure story I wanted, like similar to old serials where like these guys, these people go on little journeys that add up to a bigger journey over the course of several weeks. Um, it was just the best one of those at the time. Uh, I watched a lot of power Rangers and power Rangers always felt like it was a villain of the week show, but this show was one of the earliest, not like more like serialized, like, Hey, here's a whole story that you're going to learn about with plot twists and characters that come back and leave. And, uh, or I guess leave and come back is the order of operations. Uh, but like, there are people that matter and that, that like this world is, is growing with me. And, you know, when I started watching Korra, that was what it felt like was, wow, I was away from this world for so long and it's changed. Yeah. And, and it has, you know, watching it a week after we finished avatar, it has less impact, obviously, but watching it three, four years after you watched airbender is like, Whoa, they have they have metal cops now. Yeah, it's like when you leave your Nintendogs for too long and you come back and they're covered in mud. I was thinking of more of an Animal Crossing thing where you uh, leave your house for too long and then there's like weeds everywhere and all your neighbors hate you. Yeah, in general, Nintendo just wants you to really be aware of the passage of time. That's <laughs> 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 what Ocarina of Time about. Our, our slow march to death. <laughs> they just want you to really reflect on it as often as possible. You joke, but <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I just that that was always what Avatar meant to me the most, and 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 you know, getting it to sh- to see it with someone who hadn't watched it before, because I know like most of my friends at this point have seen it, mm-hmm. uh, was was a joy. Yeah, I was really glad to to finally see it. It's been a kind of gap in my, I don't know, in my TV knowledge. Because I think a lot of people of our generation watch the show and have familiarity with it. And even students that I've worked with, um, 
over the past year and a half or so have been almost universally familiar with the show, even if they haven't seen it. So it's still a show that's like in the conversation and being watched by kids, uh, sort of preteen age or younger. Um, I think every time we do a show, I think we learn a little bit more about the, the format of doing chats and the effect that this viewing style has on the experience of, of consuming a show. Um, just to get metatextual for a second, because this is, you know, this is not a normal way to watch a television program where you parcel out two episodes a week and um, do a deep analysis of it. And I think that that structure in some shows, with some shows can enliven them and with some shows can sort of deaden things about them. Um, and I think for this show, I I want to be able to watch it again with a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I did not, you know, I think it, it, you and I... It, in the process of doing the show for chats probably had very different experiences because you were able to draw on, um, the sort of wonder, uh, the relived wonder of watching it again after having watched it as a kid. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it was this experience like an of imagined wonder of like what it would have been like if you yeah, watched this. When you and were a kid. you know, I could really appreciate the craft of the show because it is a really well done show. Um, and I really enjoyed its peaks but I think there's there was still an element of it of like I'm watching this for the show, um, and so there wasn't as much of that like kind of genuine uh, innocent experience of it as I would have liked. Um, but that's just interesting. That's not that's not like a that's not a negative or a positive really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just you know thinking about like the shows that we choose and why we choose them and the effect that that has on the way we view them because I think there are some shows that really benefit from it like Farscape when we watched Farscape I think this format was really perfect for that show because that's a show that deserves to be kind of parceled out and 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 chewed and and uh, just sort of looked at under a microscope whereas with Avatar it's kind of like just get out of the way and and experience it because just it, watch it, yeah, yeah, because it it's gonna fill you up and it's gonna take you somewhere. And I, I, you know, I'm glad that people got to take that journey with us, but it is, yeah, in in the year of our Lord 2017, it is a show to binge. <laughs> yeah, it is a good, quick show. It feels paced like an anime in that way. I was obviously inspired by that storytelling style. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad you liked it. Um, and I don't want to talk about our format on the show too much just because i don't you know if that feels like uh what's the word for when you like yourself a lot uh self-congratulatory or um, self-indulgent something like that self-indulgent um but yeah i'm sorry i'm not saying that we have like the most perfect format or something i think it's just no no if you're here and you're a listener then maybe you have some curiosity about about it well, I'm sure somebody definitely cares a lot, and plenty of people do. I'm just, I mean, like, uh, for chats, for Farscape at least, it was about we are watching this show, we are going into uncharted territory. Like, it became about what Farscape is about. And with right. Freaks and Geeks, yeah. it was, like, That's this true. sort of more pensive ex exploration of, like, what we remembered about it, having both seen it, and, like, what we remembered about our teenage years and all that stuff. It became a show about, like, recalling the past 
and then with Avatar, it was like going somewhere together. Mm-hmm. So you know the format has to change to accommodate the show, um, which I mentioned because I like uh, putting themes to things, and also um, I think it's time for us to talk about what we're doing next in Magellan. Yeah, so Avatar is a show about kind of looking at the adult world and seeing how it's messed up and um, deciding that you want to change things for the better. And this next show is also a show about looking at the adult world and seeing how it's messed up and deciding that you want to change things for the better, Um, but in a very different lens. (laughs) I love you, but you're the worst. Um, It is a television program that was spearheaded by the inimitable, and you could say that in a good way or a bad way, the inimitable Aaron Sorkin. Alan, you want to tell him which one of those programs it is? Next time on Chats, we are going to be watching the entirety of The Newsroom. Breaking, breaking news. This is, again, um, a show that Alan has seen before that I have not seen. So we're going to make sure that the next show we watch, Alan has not seen before to uh, balance it out. Yeah. Um, the exciting thing about watching the newsroom, first of all, is that we're going to get back into live action, get back into a, adult drama, do an HBO show, which we ha- have not yet done. So that's a, that's a conversation that we can have. Um, and, I mean, really... The Newsroom is a show that (laughs) happened like two or three years before it should have happened. And it's about content two or three years before it. So there's there's just something so specific about the the moment in time that it occupies where it's it's looking back as if it has learned all of this less these lessons. Um, But really, the the journalistic reckoning (laughs) had yet to fully. fully occur yeah that's a really good way to put it it is it is a show out of time that attempts to be extremely in time much often very often to its detriment i will also say the newsroom is the first show that i've watched here that i would not recommend to everyone um definitely listen to our podcast we're gonna have a lot of fun laughing at it laughing with it learning from it talking about like legitimately seriously talking about um the matters that it brings up we're not going to be afraid to get into those things. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a chance for us to use this show to kind of not reflect on politics. It's not going to turn into a politics show, but reflect on uh, the place of truth in our society and optimism and the dissemination of information. Um, all of the, the themes that are brought up, I think we're going to try to talk about the, those things in a way that feels somewhat... Um, not timeless necessarily, but uh, evergreen. Right, and, we always try to be evergreen on chats. It, yeah, it, so you know, if nothing else, I think that'll be the value of the conversations that we'll have. Um, even if you don't want to watch every single episode of the newsroom, but if you want to have the experience and join us on every step of the way, we would love to have you. And if you uh, know that you hate the newsroom and don't want to be a part of it at all, uh, it's not very long. So you can just come back in a couple months and we'll be doing a different show. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be we here. Dwell, we're not going to live with this show. It's just it's going to be here and gone. Yeah. Um, it's on Amazon Instant Video, Amazon Prime Video. If you want to watch it with us, it's, it's free on there, all three seasons and like all the bonus material, um, like the trailers and stuff. It, I remember it had really good like episode previews. Uh, not all of the seasons are very long. I think it's like 
They get shorter as it goes. Right, because I think they got, like, uh, partially, like, canceled. Like, they just ran out of, like, writing time towards the end or something. We'll look into that. that. As we... We will look into that as we get there. But, yeah, it goes from, like, ten to nine to six episodes. The upshot of it is that, all told, if we stay on track, we'll do a total of 16 news chats episodes. This is the time to discuss this, Magellan. Hmm? Oh, this the name? Is the time to, yeah. Yeah, the name. Oh, oh, the chats room. That's good. Oh. The chats room. Hold on. Why didn't I think of the chats room? That's fine. That's that's solid. I like that. Yeah, the chat. Welcome to the chats room. And then, like, I bring, like, yes. a stack of papers to kind of, like, click against the table three times. Oh, I like that. And we can kind of play with a newsy format. We're gonna we're gonna be playing with the format for sure. We'll get into that when we actually do it. But we kind of have to be there because Mitchell and I like to make things as they happen. We're improvisers. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to watch along with us, like I said, it's on Amazon. Uh, we're gonna actually be taking a two week break from chats. We're kind of kind of to get rest our voices, restore our energy, recenter, uh, enjoy the holiday season, um, hang out with each other in person. And we'll be back in about two weeks, and um, we're gonna be discussing two uh the first two episodes of the newsroom uh magellan which episodes are we watching we are watching season one episode one we just decided to which is the series pilot the description here says surviving the fallout from a meltdown acn newsnight anchor will mcavoy returns to his job and faces a new executive producer a former girlfriend a staff overhaul and a breaking news challenge and the second episode of season one, Newsnight 2.0. Mac asserts control over the new incarnation of Newsnight and enlists a beautiful and brainy on-air economist, Sloan Sabbath, to do a nightly segment. All right. <laughs> We're already uh... doing it. <laughs> Jim takes the fall for a Maggie miscue. A long, festering breakup secret gets out. Okay, so that second it's just, description it's just rife, really nails. Rife with the Sorkin like relationship drama that we don't really need. Do not need, especially in a show about the news. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. Yeah, this show's really messy, and I'm so excited to talk about how it gets messy. Like, oh, yeah, slow and sure. savage. Oh. But yes, Magellan, that is it. Um, let's tell people where they can find us before we take it home one more sure time. Sure thing. You can, as always, email chatspod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns about us switching from a kid's show to an adult show, uh, <laughs> if you do the uh, – sorry? Um, <laughs> we can also tweet at us. <laughs> we'll do our best. You can tweet at us at chatspod on Twitter about the newsroom. We'll be changing the thumbnail or whatever, the, the header profile picture and all that stuff to keep up with what the new show is. Um, and you can also – uh, rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars if you love us. If you loved Chatspender, if you want us to do more kids shows, you can suggest things over there. You can talk to us through the reviews, but they, we'll only read them if they're five stars. <laughs> Other, <laughs> otherwise, I won't even look at them. That's just a joke. Please <laughs> like our show. Um, but John, where can people find you on the online? They can find me on Twitter at JustAfluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. You can also... Around when this show comes back, hopefully there'll be, not hopefully, yes, yes, sir, there'll be the 10th episode of Adulthood on the line to listen to as well. You ever see that movie, The Internship, with Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson working yeah, at Google? The, yeah. The The only funny part of that movie is there's an extended sequence where Vince Vaughn keeps saying on the line instead of online. 
<laughs> and the other interns try to keep telling him that it's online. And he says, yeah, on the line. I love I love it. Yeah, that's the best part. And the rest is like a lame movie. Alan, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at Alan Ibrahim. That's spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. I am a robot. You can also listen to me not being a robot on Fireside Friends, which is a pop culture discussion podcast, which is relaunching in January along with this show. Um, it's going to be switching January's to the month. It's the month. It's new beginnings. It's going to be switching to a monthly what? Subscription? It's going to be switching to a monthly schedule, yeah. Oh, schedule. I thought you were going to yes. say subscription. <laughs> not yet. Can't make money off a podcast yet. Yeah. It's going to be switching to being a show about monthly subscription boxes exclusively. <laughs> I would I would listen to you do a show about that. I j- just Nature Box and MeUndies and uh, the wine one and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that one? The one that I am curious about but I never subscribe to. Warby, uh, Warby Parker? No, Bespoke Post. What? Bespoke Post. They have all these little like these boxes. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. It's yeah, like for men, plug. though. It, you know, it's like <laughs> men stuff, like shave month, like that kind of crap. <laughs> Testosterone year. We can't plug things that don't pay us. Pay us um, <laughs> if you want us to talk about you. Yeah, and, and Fire Side Friends is really good. You should listen to it. It can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much, dear listener, for listening to Avatar The Last Chat Spender. Have a happy new year. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hotman. <laughs> yep, yep, Hotman. <laughs> <laughs>